Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Let me pray as we dive into this message. I want to talk about today what it means to be mighty. And uh, gosh, I'm, I'm so grateful that we get to do this together. If we've not met, my name's Chris and I love nothing more than being able to gather together for the purpose of being able to scatter into our weeks. See, I I believe the purpose of a church gathering is to empower us, to equip us, to cause us to lift our heads to what God has possible for us and then to launch into our weeks. I believe that what happens in a church gathering should spill out to our day-to-day lives. I believe the reality of who God is should invade our spaces that we should live our lives with the knowledge that we have the Spirit of the living God working in and through us and wherever we tread our feet is holy ground. Now, here's what I I don't mean by that. I don't mean that tomorrow when you go to work or you're at home getting the kids ready for school, that you're walking around with the Bible on your head, praying in tongues constantly and not engaged with people. That's not what I mean. What I mean is that you live life with a confident authority that wherever you show up, you show up there with God's grace. You're called to own that space. You're not called to pull back in life. You're called to press in. We are called to be those who draw near to God so that He can draw near to us. With that in mind, let me pray. Father God, I thank You for the opportunity. We have to worship You and to honour You. I thank You that, Lord, You are worth it. You're worth the outpouring of every piece of praise, thanks and honour we have. Lord God, may we not be stingy. May we not hold it back. May we not look for other avenues to pour our hearts into. May we be like the woman who broke the alabaster jar to pour oil on your head. May we, may we just open up our lives for You so You can pour Your Spirit into us. And so, Lord God, I ask that You would lead us and guide us in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about the mighty ones today. And one of the things I love, I I, I love the fact people inspire me. I I, I love sitting there and watching Marvel movies with my kids. My five-year-old has just now gotten into Marvel movies and it's hilarious because my 12-year-old son, Liam, keeps on saying to me, Dad, you didn't let me watch this when I was his age. You didn't let me watch this when I was his age. And see, that's the problem of the firstborn. They're the trailblazer. They go ahead. They make it easier for everybody else along the way, don't they, Liam? And then I have my wife saying, should Flynn really be watching this? Of course he should. (laughs) They're doing backflips. They've got superpowers. (laughs) Yeah, don't, don't, don't let me put on movies. But more than watching films of amazing things, I I actually get more inspired in the day to day and the living things out. I want to just mention the, the person who, when I think of the person that has most inspired me, the a living, breathing superhero. I think of a woman that Rian and I met when we used to live in Cambodia. For our last season as we were missionaries in Cambodia, we came alongside a new church plant called New Life Fellowship Chabampo. And it was at the southern, southern part of the city and it was in a part of the city that had not had a church established there before. 
And we were honoured to jump on board and support the Cambodian leaders and come alongside and come underneath and offer whatever we could to help provide some backing and some strength to see God establish a community of faith there. And we're just in the beginning stages. And so our team moved into that region and we found a small room to host meetings and we got some guitars and some microphones and we plugged it in and we had services and we started to connect with the people in the region who had never met a Christian before, who didn't know what it meant to encounter somebody who had encountered God. This was so far out their reality that all they had was stories that they would share amongst themselves about what they thought Christians were. And so we had the beautiful opportunity to show the reality of who Jesus is. And I remember as we moved in there to Chibampo and started working, that area, that part of the city was growing so quickly and there was so much development work going on. There was so much demolition work of old buildings and then new things being built up. And so what you'd find on the street quite regularly were people who were working from sun up to sundown picking up the debris, the broken rubble, the bricks in baskets and putting the baskets on their back and putting the cord over their head and carrying it around to a dump where they would dump the rubbish. See, people would do this for $2 a day. They would work demolition in the city for $2 a day. And for many, that was the only access they had to money. I remember pulling up one day there at Chibampo for an afternoon gathering and I saw there was a lady. Gosh, I would have just picked her in her early 20s. She was tiny. She would have been lucky to be four foot ten. And she had on her back the rubble and the broken brick and she had on her front a baby that she was nursing and holding and she was working. And I remember going into the team and saying, have, have we seen this? Have we noticed this? And the team had already seen and noticed. They got to know her. They heard her story. They heard the fact that she had had her husband abandon her and their baby. And she was living under a piece of tin and tarp around the corner. So we'd just seen her out and about on the street. She wasn't coming to the church. She didn't even know what a church was. You've got to understand in nations like Cambodia, the word church does not translate. We say church, I'm going to church. We, we have a basic idea what that means, but in nations like that, they have no idea. They just get to see a Christian and base what they believe a Christian is on who we are and how we live. And so the team gathered together and I was blessed to be involved in a group of people that went to visit her under her tin and her tarp. And we're blessed to be able to give her food that was going to last months and stuff for her baby and money so that she could move out and find a place. And we were blessed to come alongside her, which is a wonderful account of the story. But I've got to tell you, she inspired me. Because when we sat down with her under the tin and the tarp, she offered us what meagre stuff she had to share. All I saw in her eyes was determination and resilience. All I saw in her heart that she was unwilling to give up and all she wanted was to provide a future for her and her daughter. People inspire me. What is inside of you is something amazing.
There's an account in Scripture that talks about people called the mighty ones or the mighty men of David. And what makes the account so amazing is that these people were everyday people. In, in fact, they were the rejects. They were the people that were not good enough to be on the front lines. They were the ones that had been neglected and forgotten about. They were the ones that were pushed to the side. And they chose to follow a king. His name was David. See, he was king, but not yet king. And that doesn't really make sense to us, but in the context was that there was a king over Israel, a guy named Saul, who had lost it, who had missed the mark, who had, who had lost track of who he was called to be. And God in His goodness had never actually chosen that king in the first place. He loved him, but He hadn't chosen him. What it was is that there was coming a king that was growing. A young man who had been neglected by his family, assigned as a shepherd to look after the sheep of his family while the other brothers lived under the roof of their father. And that this son, David, learned how to worship God in the wilderness and defend things that others would run away from. And it was this young boy as he grew into manhood that God chose to be the next King of Israel. But he suffered persecution and pressure at every step along the way. He had every opportunity to give up, but instead of giving up, what he did is he gathered around him the others that had been forgotten, neglected and pushed to the side. And through gathering around this King, they became mighty. Everyday people, forgotten, neglected and isolated. These mighty ones, it goes on to say in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23, they started to do amazing things. Things that when I describe them to you, it'd be as if you were watching a Marvel film. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8 to 12. These are the names of David's warriors. Josheb Bar-Shebeth, the Takimon, hold on. You, you wouldn't know <laughs> that before the service, I was in our prayer room listening to an audio Bible just so I could pronounce these names. Whew. See, it, it's much easier when you read the Bible and you don't have to pronounce it. You just make up a pronunciation in your head. And then sometimes when you go to deliver it publicly, you are completely off. So I've listened to somebody say these names. Let's see if I can say it. These are the names of David's warriors. Josheb Bashebeth, dare you to name your son that. The Tachyamonite, yeah, there we go, that's better than nothing. He was the chief of the officers. He wielded his spear against 800 men that he killed at one time. See, in this context, God's people were under extreme pressure. They were under overwhelming odds. The enemy wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. One to 800 was what was necessary for God's people to persevere. It says in verse nine, after him, Eleazar, son of Dodo. Again, that's an unfortunate name, but I do wanna highlight don't name your son Dodo. In the original language, that name means God is my helper. 
because Dodos need help. After him, Eleazar, son of Dodo, son of the Ahoite, was among the three warriors with David when they defiled the Philistines. The men of Israel retreated. Listen to this. The men of Israel retreated in the place they had gathered for battle. Everybody's just cut and run. The odds are too big. It's overwhelming. We're, we're going to lose. Let's, let's bail. Let's bail while the bailing's there. But Eleazar in verse 10 stood his ground. He didn't just stand his ground. He didn't just stand there and say, well, I'm not moving. It says he stood his ground and attacked the Philistines until his hand was tired and stuck to his sword. Can you just imagine how long he was wielding that weapon for that to be his reality? If it was me, it might be five minutes, but for a trained warrior, it implies that there was an extended battle. And think about it, the extended battle, he had an opportunity at every point to say, nah, it's too hard. Nah, nah, I'm bailing. I'm the last one left. Instead, I'm gonna hold this and I'm not gonna drop it. And I'm gonna stand my ground. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. It's interesting, Eleazar was the one fighting, but it says the Lord brought about a great victory. Do you know that the Lord works through His people? That you are not a nameless, faceless instrument for God to just use and abuse. He is wanting to work through you. Do you know that God does amazing things still? And you know that He does that through people? He does that for you. He does that for your obedience to follow Him, to surrender to Him, to be willing to respond to the things that He's leading you into and through. He does amazing things through people because the Lord brought about a great victory that day because He had inspired a man named Eleazar to stand His ground. Verse 11, after him was Shemara, son of Agi, the Harriite. Harriite means they're a mountain dweller. He lived all his life up at the high places. And here he was running around the low places, defending the people of God. The Philistines had assembled in formation where there was a field full of lentils. Hmm, valuable. The troops fled from the Philistines, but Shamara took his stand in the middle of the field and defended it and struck down the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. These people did amazing exploits because they were willing to serve a God who was able to work in and through them. And I read accounts like that and Accounts like this have stuck with me all from the beginning where I met Jesus for myself as a 16 year old, where I'd read these accounts and try to imagine myself in their footsteps, try to imagine myself standing in a field where everybody that I'd stood with was running away. I tried to imagine myself choosing to stand on a field of lentils, even though lentils aren't my favourite food. And being so bold in the things of God that I would say, you can't even have this enemy. You can't even have this. 
You, you can't even have something that others might deem of low value. I'm not gonna let you have anything. I'm going to stand ground and I'm gonna choose to stand no matter what people say about how valuable this is or not. No matter if they're bailing, no matter if they're cutting and running, I'm going to stand and hold my sword and allow it to fuse to my hand. And I try to imagine, I gotta be honest, if I would have the courage to do that. I don't know if you know what it feels like to have everybody that you've been running with turn tail and bail. But yet here these ones were standing their ground. So I wanna submit to you that God wants to work in and through His people. He wants to do a great victory. He wants to bring out a great victory in your life, in your world, in your reality. But it does take very firstly, if I could submit this to you, a heart that is resilient over the pressure, a heart that chooses to stand where others would run. That we are called to be mighty ones even today and mighty ones stand their ground. I remember a couple of years ago, praying with a man that I love and admire so much, Robert Neasavimbo. Renee, I asked Robert for permission for this. Robert preached here last Sunday. If you haven't seen it, it should be on our podcast. Robert is one of my favourite preachers, but he's also one of my favourite human beings. And I remember Robert years ago coming forward for prayer and I had the honour of standing right here and praying with him. See, Robert isn't with us today. He preached last Sunday, but he's been working, what, 24 hours nonstop. He owns a trucking company where they're loading a ship right now. I texted him this morning. He, he says he's the brawn of the business. He says Renee is the brain of the business. <laughs> and you have, you have four trucks now. But I remember when he was just starting out and he had just one. And he stood here, this was years ago, stood here in this spot, came forward for prayer at the end of the service. And his one truck, the gearbox had died. Now, I don't know about you, if the gearbox died in my Jeep, I'd be emotional, but I'm sure I'd get some sticky tape and some duct tape and some rubber bands and we'd work it out. Jeeps are resilient. Not that resilient. <laughs> Couldn't even get the roof on. Anyway, his truck's out of action and he's just got the quote, it's going to cost $40,000 to fix he's got every opportunity to cut and run. Every opportunity to say, this is too hard. Every opportunity to say, I tried, I tried, I tried, I, I felt, I, I'm so sorry. But he came forward and you should have seen the determination in his heart and in his eyes that he was not going to accept this as his reality. And he stood there, planted his feet and said, lay it on me. Didn't quite say it like that. But he said he was standing his ground because this was not the heart of God for him. And I had the opportunity to pray with him. The beautiful thing is that through supernatural provision and breakthrough, everything got turned around. And that moment that could have caused the business to shut down had helped propelled it into a new level of faith and growth. Now, is it because I prayed for him? No, it's because he was willing to stand his ground. He was willing to fight on where others may have run. And I wanna to submit to you, we are still called to be mighty today. 
I know we don't live in a context where it's considered polite to go get a sword and a spear and kill 800 people. And I'm not suggesting you should do that. But what I am suggesting is that where others would run, choose to stand. That you would stand your ground and allow God to do great things through you. Because He responds to our determination and our resilience and our ability to press in and say, Lord, would You make me courageous even when I don't feel it? Would You help me to press on even when I want to give up? I love these mighty ones. Because I think it's relevant for us today. The account goes on. If you just hear this out, it says in 2 Samuel 23 verse 13, just want to listen to this about these three that we've just listed. So three of the 30 leading warriors went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam, while a company of Philistines were camping in the Rephaim Valley. At that time, David was in the stronghold and a Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David was extremely thirsty and said, If only someone would bring me water to drink from the well at the city gate of Bethlehem. David was king already, but not yet. And he'd grown up in this place, Bethlehem. Could you imagine standing there in a place that you loved, a place that you remembered fondly, but you could not enter in because the enemy occupied that territory? Could you imagine standing there looking out over this place that was once yours, but now it's not? And remembering the details, the well, the place where you ran, the basketball court that you shot hoops at, if they played basketball at that day and age. And the heart to have back everything that God had provided. If only I could. Why is he saying that? Because he couldn't. He couldn't. If only I could. You only say that if you can't. If only I could have a cup of water from my favourite well. It says in verse 16, So three of the warriors broke through the Philistine camp and drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. They brought it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. And David said, Lord, I would never do such a thing. It is not the blood of men who risk their lives. So he refused to drink it. Such were the exploits of the three warriors. David was talking. And these three, one who had a spear who could kill 800 men, one who had a sword and he could stand against overwhelming odds, another who was willing to defend a patch of lentils. I overheard their king. I don't know about you whether you work with the ministry of hints at all. I'm not, I'm deaf to hints. <laughs> Terrible at it. I don't know how many times, <laughs> come on Thomas, I don't know how many times I've made a cup of tea, gone to sit down at the lounge, only to make eye contact with my beautiful wife and for her to simply say to me in a deadpan voice, thank you, I'd love one. Now, I want to confess to you here right now, I had no intention of making her one. And it's not that I don't love her. I do. 
I really, 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 really do. It's just that for whatever reason, when I'm making a cup of tea, I must be so engrossed in my world that I can't imagine everybody, anybody else wanting a cup of tea at the same time. And so I got to say, every time I go to sit down and she says, I'd love one, thank you. And you must understand this is almost a weekly occurrence. (laughs) It's true. Every time she says it, can I tell you the truth? It's a surprise to me. (laughs) Oh, really? And then she looks at me as if to say, cotton on, punk. (laughs) It's true. The ministry of hints don't work with me. David's three. Over here, their king, and instead of patting him on the back and saying, oh, that sucks, they don't even talk to him. They don't even, like how much, David? How much do you want this water? How much is that worth to you? How, do you really want, are you sure? Are you sure? Hey, can I find some other water? There's this, hey, Mount Franklin's okay. Voss is better, I understand. Are you sure you want Bethlehem? They hear and they respond. They respond with action. They're listeners and doers. And they storm through the gate. You've got to understand there was a siege on. This was a battle. There was no expectation that they were going to win. And these guys had the boldness to say, I heard the heart of my King. And I'm inspired, but I'm more than inspired. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get it. I'm going to, and they burst through and they grab the water. They don't even recapture Bethlehem. You think, hey, you burst through, just get the whole place. No, no, we're here for one thing. We're drawing water and we're running back. Can you just imagine one of these dudes running back with a pail of water on his head, dodging the arrows? They gave it to David. And what does he do? To us, this seems so offensive. He pours it out. But in that culture, a culture of sacrifice and honour of God, where people would take of their resources commonly, it was not weird, where they would take their food and their their, their drink and their their resources and they would actually honestly pour it out to God as a sign of surrender and honour to Him. Here's what King David did. He showed them that David was worshipping another. That David drew his strength from another. David drew from the reality that he knew who the living God was and only the living God was worth this. What makes the mighty ones mighty is that they hear and they do. It's not enough just to hear. It's not enough just to register. We've got to allow the hearing to drop into our heart and then from our heart to our hands and our feet. And we do. We do what we're called to do. What makes the mighty ones mighty? These people inspire me because they weren't anyone that you would have suggested or thought for this. They weren't the cream of the crop. They weren't the best of the best. They were the ones willing to respond. It says this, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 to 2, if I could ask the worship team to come back and join me in a moment. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 to 2. So David left Gath, took refuge in the cave of Adullam. 
This is as David is beginning to gather together the forces to defend his nation. He's king, but he's already, but not yet. There's another king in position who's pushing against him and keeping him on the edges. And instead of David saying, this is too hard and running away, what he does is he gets to the edges of his nation and he starts defending and protecting and guarding. He starts fighting for his people as if he is already their king. He lives it out, doesn't wait for permission. So, so David left Gath and took refuge in the cave of Adullam. When David's brothers and his, fam- and his father's whole family heard, they went down and joined him there, but they weren't the only ones. Verse 2, in addition, every man who was desperate, in debt or discontented rallied around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Desperate, they were under stress and anguish. In debt, they were under pressure. Discontented, they were bitter and broken. 400 gathered around him. You know, out of that 400 were the three that we've been talking about. Before they followed David, they were in distress. They were caught up in debt. They were discontented. They were lost. And if you read the account, it wasn't just the three who started doing amazing things. There were others as well. Others that would go down into a pit, fight a lion on a snowy day. Others who refused to run away when the pressure got too much. Others who stood their ground. They all became mighty. And I'm here thinking, what, what makes them mighty? What, what, what's the key, Lord God? What's, what's the thing that we can tap hold of today? In 2023, what does it take to really be mighty? And it certainly takes a willingness to stand our ground. It certainly takes a willingness to hear and do. But here's the key I'd submit to you. See, they gathered around this man named David. And this man named David was so committed to worshipping God with everything that he had, that he drew his strength from his relationship with the living God. And that as he did that, It set the scene for what was to come, that these were a people who lived led by the living God so that God could do great things through them. So what made David great is that he served another king. He didn't serve himself, he served another. He was willing to be on the front lines and fight the battles and defend and stand no matter what because he was one who was willing to take ground. His courage set the scene. What difference does this all make? We're at our best when we stand where others would run. We are at our best when we tune in to hear when others would ignore. We are at our best when we run to a King who is worth following. When we run to a King who is worth following. David was a King worth following. Because he was following his own king. 
See, the thing with David is that he could see a king who was yet to come for him, but for us, this king has already come. David lived thousands of years ago. There's a lot in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that draws on what David saw and experienced. It's a whole book called the book of Psalms where David wrote many of the Psalms where the songs of worship and prayer. And you get an insight into the heart of this person who was able to galvanise such support that people became mighty around him. And you get to see that David was a king who was seeking and serving another king. He saw glimpses of what was to come, of what we get to enjoy today. Can I finish just with this Scripture? It comes out of Psalm 22. It's a Psalm of David, penned by his own words. And I think it gives us an insight into what made him great. Because whatever made him great made others great around him. He was a king who could see a king. I want you to listen to this. I want you to imagine as I'm reading this out that you're with David standing in the cave of Agilom. And you look out and all you see is the enemy occupying territory that you know is yours. And I want you to see in your heart that God's called you to be mighty, for you to be one who would stand where others would run, for you to be one that would tune in and hear what others would ignore, for you to be one who would follow a king who is worth following. And it's the king that David was seeking after. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open, their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd 
and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garments. But You, You Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. It's a very personal word. I met Jesus when I was 16 years old and I started reading the Bible for the first time. I took it all as fact, which I think is the right way to read it. I started to read accounts like this. David in that Psalm, that's not his words. See on the cross, King Jesus, Lord and Saviour, Son of God, God in flesh, ancestor of David, but ultimately of the seed of the Holy Spirit, born in Bethlehem, allowed Himself to be forsaken, cast adrift, pressured, isolated, beaten up, Pierced for our transgressions. His clothes gambled on and stolen. David saw the future. David saw what was yet to come. David saw that there was a King coming that was the one ultimately that we're all called to worship. That in the Name of Jesus, all knees must bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. That He is the one, He is, I've got to say to you, He's the only one we're following. And as you come around King Jesus, He gathers those that are in distress, those that are in debt, those that are discontented, and He makes us mighty. May we be a people who stand our ground where others would run. May we be a people who hear and respond what others would ignore. And may we be a people who follow a King it was actually worth following. The truth is, I want to say to you, church, we become what we follow. Could I invite you to stand to your feet? I want to say sorry a little bit because this is such a personal word. If it's come off harsh, I don't mean that for you. What I want to say is you are so, so mighty. And I wanna encourage you, may God do amazing things through you. May you be willing to give what you are, not what you think you have to be, not what you imagine yourself to be, not what you try to make yourself to be. Just come as who you are before Him and allow Him to make you mighty. Allow it to come through Him and by Him and because of Him. Tap into what David tapped into. He saw it before it even happened and now we get to enjoy it because it has. Jesus came, He was born, 
He lived, He died, He was buried, He was risen again. He sits at the right hand of the Father. We get to follow a King who has no limit, no end to His reign. And I wanna encourage you, follow one worth following. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.